can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Hey guys and gals, it's Thursday, and I want to start a little bit differently this time because I wanted to talk about something that doesn't come up often enough, but I wanted to ask, how are you doing? I mean, what you do is hard. We just came off of a couple of really bad years. We have no idea what next year is going to bring. So I just wanted to touch base and say, you know, we're here. You want to tell us something that's cool. You don't want it on air. Just specify that. Send me an email, talkingpools at gmail.com. I just want to make sure that you know that you're not alone. We know that what you do is hard, despite what anybody thinks. Maintaining pools, building pools, no matter what position you're in, it's a tough job. It may carry a stigma that. It's not, but the amount of things you have to know is insane. And then this year, with the scavenging for product just to take care of your customers, who may or may not appreciate you afterwards, depending on how long it took, not your fault, supply chain issues were a mother but I just want to make sure that you're doing okay. Like I said, feel free to reach out, talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here for you. This is your podcast. Send us an email. We want to know that you're okay. Because the pool industry is one giant family. It may be one giant dysfunctional family, but it is a family nonetheless, and you're part of our team. All right, now the normal spiel. As always, if you need a CPO class, go to my website, cpoclass.com, CPO certification schedule page. There you will see both virtual and in-person classes that I have through the end of this year. I would love for you to take a class with me. If you've already scheduled a class, even if it's with somebody else, but you want to make sure you're in the absolute best position for that class, on my website, cpoclass.com, there's also a tab that says CPO practice test. Click on that tab. There you will pull up downloads, flashcards, a practice test, some other short classes you can take that can help put you in the ideal position heading into that class. So I have all that on my website and it's there for you. So please take advantage of it. If you'd like to look into other classes that I have, hit me up on onlinepoolclasses.com. Those are mine. Those are 100% online. Some are free, some at a fee, but check them out because there's some good things there too. Right now, I'm going to go grab a cup of coffee, and when we come back, we're going to jump into natatoriums.
How is that for an uplifting tune? So an auditorium is an indoor pool. That's the room that the pool is in. And in maintenance, these things have their own set of rules. They are nothing like maintaining an outdoor pool. And the people who do this on the reg, kudos to you, because that is challenging as all get out to consider that factor in chemistry, air quality, everything, maintaining the whole shebang. Then you have staffing, programs, training, a whole plethora of other things, plethora, myriad, plethora, going on simultaneously while preparing swim meets. So it's nuts. You guys should be wearing a big S on your chest and have a cape. That's all I have to say about it. For everybody else, did you ever walk into an indoor pool and get that smack-in-the-face chlorine smell that stings your eyes? Turn around and walk out, because there's some bad juju going on in there. We spoke about chloramines in one of the earlier episodes. We spoke about shocking the pool in one of the earlier episodes. And, of course, the way that we determine whether or not we have a level of combined chlorine is using that third yellow test solution. Again, you know, the one that's still full in the test kit, at least in most test kits. If yours isn't still full, bravo. That's how we determine whether or not we have a combined chlorine level. So looking at an outdoor pool, again, or even an indoor pool, we shock to make that go away. What I didn't mention, or I don't think I mentioned, is that chloramines also gas off on their own anyway. Never in a quantity large enough to actually lower the combined chlorine level in a pool, simply because there's always more stuff, schmutz, gack being added that continually adds to that combined chlorine level. But they do gas off. And just like when you shock the pool, the chloramines that gas off, the wind blows it away. Well, in an indoor pool, you don't have wind. There's no wind. We have to create wind. Otherwise, the chloramines that gas off will simply reabsorb into the water in the pool. And that's a problem because then the combined chlorine level increases exponentially. So we create an artificial breeze. There's specifications on this. 0.4 feet per second is what we shoot for. That's the wind speed at a height eight foot above the deck. Why above the deck? If we're too low, two different things will happen. One, we'll lose energy from the pool due to convection. Again, that's the forced loss of energy, and wind will definitely do that, even at that slow speed. The other thing is that we will also cause wind chill on our guests. That's when they're going to start complaining that they're cold when they get out of the pool, and we don't want to hear it. And We actually, we well, we don't want them to go through it, but mostly we don't want to hear it. And of course, these same reasons are the reason that we don't want an wind speed any faster than 0.4 feet per second. So that's the first thing that we have to contend with. We also want to make sure that we have a properly sized, properly functioning air handling system. The air handling system that we have should ideally pump 100% of the air out of the natatorium and replace it with fresh air from outside four to six times every hour. Four to six times an hour. That's a lot of air movement. So we got the wind speed at 0.4 feet per second at a height eight foot above the deck. 
We have an air handling system pumping all of the air out, replacing with fresh air four to six times every hour. When you walk into a natatorium, you should not be able to detect a chlorine odor. If you can, that's the result of improper water chemistry, your chlorine chemistry, and or an air handling system that's either inadequate or not functioning properly. This is a big concern. The truth of the matter is free chlorine in pool water doesn't have an odor. Not until it gets super, super high levels. I can actually get a free chlorine level in a pool up to 30 parts per million before there's a detectable odor. Combined chlorine, however, has a nasty stench as low as 0.2 parts per million. This is a big concern. Lifeguards who maintain indoor pools are highly susceptible to something known as lifeguard lung that comes from breathing that air in day in and day out. It's like asthma, which is also a concern when teaching children swim lessons at an indoor facility. If the air in that facility is not good, it can lead to asthma problems in children, just like it does to professional swimmers. Most professional swimmers later on in life suffer from some type of asthma. And if you think about it, where are they getting their air from when they're conducting their sport? Six inches above the water, that's where all their air is coming from. That's some fakakta fashiznit. Talking about all the other things that you have to take into consideration, I had a major university contact me. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but they started to have problems in the fall with a handful of their guests experiencing symptoms that were similar to those that you would see from swimming in a body of water with a combined chlorine level, a high combined chlorine level. But the water test time and time again showed that there was no combined chlorine level present. It was explained to me that this handful of guests had all been the guests that would normally swim in the outdoor pool. However, at the end of August, they closed the outdoor pools. So these guests then moved in to join the folks that swam in the indoor pools. And the aquatics director said to me, the thing about it that's strange is because you would think these folks would have the least amount of problems because these folks that came from the outdoor pool to the indoor pool all showered religiously before and after they went in the pool. Nobody showers at a pool. We want them to. It's the law. There's a lot of benefits to it. But people hardly ever do that. That became the common denominator. So I took an aerial view, Google Earth, thank you, to see how close exactly the municipality was to that swimming pool because the showering thing gave me a hunch. And it was super, super close. I then contacted the municipality to find out how they treat their water. Turns out they did chloraminate the drinking water that they sent out. Now, normally chloramination, it takes much longer to actually react. So it stays in the water longer. And that's one of the benefits of using chloramination at a municipality is that it will treat the water in the pipes longer. By the time it goes through miles and miles of dark pipe and reaches your home, it's at a much, much lower level. However, this facility was super close. So I told the aquatics director, go test the combined chlorine level of the shower water. 
So she took a sample. She added five drops of DPD-1, DPD-2, registered free chlorine level. Then she added five drops of DPD-3, again, that third yellow bottle, to the vial that already contained DPD-1 and 2, and the color got darker. The number was higher. It indicated that it had a super high combined chlorine level. So the showers in this instance is what was causing the people that were going to this facility, to this natatorium, to have skin irritation, red eye, rashes, things along those lines that you would normally see from swimming in a pool that had a high combined chlorine level. Unfortunately, not a lot you can do about the showers, but we did identify the issue. And it does give you an example of all the different things that come into play when taking care of a pool at a natatorium. Think about how much it costs to heat that room with that huge transfer of air, replacing all the indoor air four to six times per hour with fresh air from outside or cool it down, depending on what's going on outside. A lot of facilities go with a heat recovery system. It's basically just an exchanger. The air leaving the room passes through, heats or cools the exchanger. The air coming back in heats or cools or is heated or cooled by the exchanger. So that way it's as close as it possibly can be to what's being replaced. So it takes a little bit of weight off the AC. It takes a little bit of weight off the thermostat. Not much, but a little bit. On top of that, there's also air temperature and humidity concerns that they have to contend with. Remember we spoke about losses of energy in the last episode on Thursday? Well, evaporative losses are at their absolute greatest during periods of low relative humidity. So that means we need to keep it up a little bit higher. We need to keep that room, the air in that natatorium at 40 to 60% relative humidity. Anything lower than 40% is going to drastically increase evaporation. Anything greater than 60% is going to have your guests complaining that they need gills to breathe. I know. They'd never complain. They would just deal with it silently. (laughs) Radiation is loss of energy to a cooler sky. So we have that to take into consideration. And to thwart that, we keep the air temperature two to four degrees above the water temperature. Anything less than two degrees above will increase radiation. You'll actually see steam coming off of the surface like you do at a warm body of water on a cool morning. So we need to, when maintaining a pool in an auditorium, Take a lot of things into consideration. There's humidity control, ventilation, air distribution, air duct design, evaporation rates, all of that on top of pool water chemistry. That's all I have for you this Thursday. We'll have more CPO stuff next Thursday. Tune in tomorrow. Listen to Andrea and I on the Friday episode of Talking Pools podcast. We got some good stuff for you there. Until next time, be good, be safe. I'll catch you later. I 
just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 